I'd heard about prostate cancer. Most men have. I even knew about the heightened risk for black men, which, when adjusted, means that it affects one in three of us. One in three. But this was only meant to happen to old men. Other men. <laughs> that wasn't until it happened to me. I couldn't make these stories up. These are the stories, the good, the bad and the unbelievable about my prostate cancer journey. So strap yourself in and let's go. Episode 25, Esther's Story. No diagnosis of prostate cancer is a good thing. Whereas it may be good that you've had an early diagnosis, it then becomes a question of how good is that bad? I mentioned Esther, one of the Prostate Cancer UK volunteers, previously in another podcast. She was one of the female volunteers that I spoke to. And the brief summary that she gave me of her story left me open-mouthed. I really didn't know what to say. I did ask her if she was interested in telling her story. And she said she'd think about it. And she got back to me and said she would. This is Esther's story. Esther is in her late 30s, with a quiet but friendly demeanour, which hides her determination and strength of character very well. Her partner, Simon, was a white male in his early 40s. They'd been together for nearly 15 years. Esther had been working for a leading cancer charity. In some ways, she believes it was fate that she was offered the job, not knowing what was just around the corner. In early summer 2016, Simon had begun to feel a little more tired than normal and would have occasional afternoon naps. Simon was a regular at the gym, so he put it down to that. Maybe he was just overexerting himself. Towards the end of August, start of September 2016, the back pain became a little bit more problematic than normal. At the time, Simon was helping Esther's brother with some house renovation. Sometimes the pain would be more noticeable and Simon would need to take a rest period during the work. Eventually, he went to see his doctor and was given some painkillers and the belief was the pain was caused by sciatica. The sciatic nerve is the longest nerve in the body running from the lower back down to the buttocks down into the back of the legs to the feet. Pain occurs when this nerve has pressure applied to it or it is damaged. Now, I had sciatica a few years ago and I remember it was almost three, four months of this pain that I just could not budge. The pain relief that Simon was given didn't really work. So a few weeks later, he went back again and got some stronger painkillers and eventually they didn't work either. Despite the strongest painkillers the doctor could give him, the pain was beginning to wake Simon up in the night and he would have to get up. The pain was so bad and completely unrelenting. He wanted to go to A&E, but didn't think it warranted an emergency. At this point, they didn't know the seriousness of the situation and just assumed it was a very bad case of what the doctor had said, sciatica. October would come and Simon was beginning to lose his appetite and his weight began to drop off slowly, and the pain was still not under control. In November, the pain was still so unrelenting, still extremely bad. The doctor referred Simon to an orthopedic specialist. 
What was strange was that Simon had been looking after his brother-in-law's cat. The cat would never sit on anyone's lap, but lately he had been constantly sitting on Simon's lap. Could he sense something? One day Simon said to Esther that the pain had begun to spread round to the front of his hips as well. It was at this stage that Esther was beginning to think something wasn't quite right and needed more answers. So she suggested he should get a blood test done. She had no idea what they would be testing for and she certainly didn't know a thing about prostate cancer. Simon had the blood test done on November the 22nd of 2016 at his doctor's surgery. The pain had been going on now for nearly two and a half months. The day after the blood test was Simon's appointment with the orthopedic specialist. He said they wouldn't give him any treatment until they did an urgent MRI scan. He also mentioned that the doctor had his blood test results. The specialist was unable to discuss the blood test results with him directly. His doctor called him on the 24th of November asking Simon if he could come into the surgery to discuss the results. They said some markers in his blood were high. One of these markers was the alkaline phosphatase ALP. This is an enzyme in your blood that helps to break down proteins. The alkaline phosphatase test, ALP, is also used to detect liver disease or bone disorders. A normal reading is between 30 and 130. Simon's ALP reading was 847, and at its highest, it would reach 3,833. Although not at the time, Esther was to find out at a later date that they thought Simon had leukemia. Based on the reading the doctor had discovered, they wanted to do a bone marrow biopsy. They did that within five days, and Simon said this was one of the worst experiences of his life. The result took nearly two weeks. By this time, Simon had huge bruises coming up on his arms and he was beginning to feel pain all over his body and he was starting to get throbbing headaches as well. He was extremely tired, he was sleeping a lot more and he was struggling to walk. On December the 1st, 2016, the results from the bone marrow biopsy showed that there were changes in the spine but they were not sure if this was the primary or secondary site. They had their suspicions about what it could be, but they did not tell them at this point, and another MRI was ordered to scan the pelvis. He had now been prescribed morphine for the pain. On December the 12th, 2016, and Simon was phoned by the doctor to say he needed another blood test to specifically test his PSA. Three days later, on the 15th of December, Simon and Esther were called to the doctor's surgery again to discuss the results. Simon was given the devastating news that he had prostate cancer. It was stage four and it was incurable, all at the age of 43. Stage four is where the cancer has spread or has metastasized from the prostate and has reached other areas of the body. It had spread to Simon's bones and this was the cause of Simon's original pain. That day changed their lives forever. As a reference, my PSA was 11.5 just before I had the radical surgery. Simon's PSA was 539.
the normal range for someone of Simon's age would be under three. Simon went on to have a multitude of scans and they discovered that the cancer was everywhere. It was in every vertebrate in his spine, his hips, pelvis, ribs, legs and shoulder. In a doctor's words, no bone had been spared. On the 21st of December, Simon had an appointment at the hospital to talk through his results and what treatment was planned. By now he could barely walk. He was really, really struggling. He could not lift his legs. He had to lift them with his hands and he had lost two stone in weight since October. They decided there and then, with him looking so unwell, fatigued and pale, that he might need a blood transfusion and he was admitted. They conducted scans and tests and they were also to find he had a subdural hematoma. A subdural hematoma is a collection of blood outside of the brain within the skull, normally caused by a severe head injury. As the blood accumulates, pressure on the brain increases. This is why he'd been getting these intense headaches. If that pressure is not released, it can lead to unconsciousness and death. Simon's hematoma was likely caused by the prostate cancer and the fact his blood palates were so low. His blood was just not clotting, hence the bruising on his arms. It was touch and go as to whether Simon would pull through. However, Esther would not find out a lot of this information until a year later. He would go on to have several blood and platelet transfusions. Simon remained in his local hospital for two and a half weeks over Christmas 2016 and into the new year 2017. The local hospital were communicating with a specialist London hospital who had originally wanted him to be transferred for possible head surgery. But after a bit of toing and froing, they decided against it because of the extent of the disease. In their words, it wouldn't be in his best interest to move him. Eventually, they managed to stop the bleed. They started him on hormone therapy, Zolodex, straight away in hospital, but he needed to wait until he was strong enough to have chemotherapy. Having chemo up front with hormone therapy is supposed to help extend life. Simon was discharged from hospital on January the 6th, 2017. Chemotherapy started on the 14th of February 2017. He received six cycles of docetaxel, which finished on May the 31st. His fatigue increased as each session went on. He lost his body hair, and while his veins hurt a little, he tolerated it quite well. Unfortunately, between chemo session 5, which was the 8th of May 2017, and the 6th, which was on the 29th of May 2017, his PSA began to rise again. 18.8 was the lowest his PSA ever got down to. This was another sign that this was an aggressive form of cancer, but the oncologist was not concerned and said fluctuations can happen after chemo. By the middle of June, Simon was still not feeling great, so Esther pushed for another PSA test, which was done on the 16th of June 2017. Simon's PSA had now increased to 32 but the oncologist was still not too concerned. Still not feeling well, a few weeks later, Esther pushed for another PSA test on the 25th of July, and Simon's PSA had now risen to 50. 
on the 3rd of August 2017, bicaltamide was added to his medication. This made him feel very unwell, and eventually this was stopped on the September 24th. He was also prescribed more antibiotics. From the start of September, Simon started to go downhill slowly. His appetite started to decline, and he was struggling to walk again. Once again, Esther pushed for a PSA test, and on the 25th of September, they got the devastating news that the PSA had risen to 444 in just nine weeks. He needed to have an urgent CT scan, which was scheduled for September the 28th, which was to rule out spinal cord compression. This, thankfully, was clear. However, Simon's pain started to increase rapidly and a doctor was called to the house on the 30th of September. All the doctor did was just to increase the morphine and didn't really look over Simon properly. With no improvement, on the 1st of October, Simon was taken to hospital by ambulance where he was told to get his affairs into order. They had no idea that the end may be coming. His PSA had now jumped to 547 in six days. On October the 2nd, at 1.50am, Esther got a call from the hospital to say she needs to get there immediately because Simon had taken a turn for the worst. The hospital is only a 15-minute drive away, but unfortunately, she didn't make it in time. Simon passed away at 2.12am. Esther missed him by three minutes. This is something she still struggles with. So from diagnosis to death was just nine and a half months. Simon's only heightened risk indicators were that he had cancers in the family. Simon's mum had breast cancer and is still alive. However, his sister died of breast cancer aged just 43 and his dad passed away from liver cancer. Simon was meant to have genetic testing specifically for the BRCA1 and BRCA2 gene but he never received the forms before he passed away due to the incompetence of a London hospital. That's another fact Esther struggles with. I asked Esther if it ever gets easier. Not at the moment. I don't think it ever gets easier. You just somehow learn to live with it. What we, but mainly Simon, obviously went through in such a short space of time. I just have so much admiration for him. He dealt with it with such dignity and tried to protect me along the way. I love him and miss him every single day. My final question to Esther was, what is the one thing you'd want someone to take away from this story? Seek help and do your own research so you know what you are dealing with and what questions to ask. Do not be afraid to challenge the doctors or oncologists if something does not sit well with you. Don't be afraid to get a second opinion if you want to. The more I read or hear on social media, the more I see men in their 40s getting prostate cancer, and it's not just men at higher risk, i.e. black men. This does affect younger men. This is just not an old man's disease. We need to raise more awareness of the world's third biggest cancer and get people to talk about it.